You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals we have here in the United States. This is episode 166 of American Sex Podcast. I'm Sunny Megatron. My co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg, and we're both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and we are kinky perverts, too. That just so happen to be non-monogamously married to each other. Now, in this episode, you've got just me as a host this time, but Ken is going to be back next week when, sneak peek, uh, we're going to talk to Luna Matadas about daddy play. So put a pin in that. But this week, Kitty Stryker is back to talk about an occurrence that recently rocked all of our worlds. You heard, right? It's that puritanical backward-ass ideal slapping us across the face. OnlyFans announced that they were pulling all sexually explicit content as of October 1st, 2021. Now, if Kitty's name sounds familiar, she's been on the show before in 2018 to talk about SESTA-FOSTA, and even earlier this year for a really fascinating conversation about the ethics of using manipulation in kink. A little bit more about Kitty. She's been working on defining and creating consent culture for over 10 years through her writing workshops and website, consentculture.com. She's also the editor of Ask Building Consent Culture and is especially interested in bringing conversations about consent out of the bedroom and into everyday life. Additionally, Kitty is a sex worker and academic of the history of obscenity, censorship, and queer culture. There's going to be more about Kitty in the show notes. She's amazing. Go visit all her websites. But this conversation, okay, so Kitty explains how this OnlyFans thing is just the tip of a really gnarly censorship iceberg. When the news broke that OnlyFans was disallowing all explicit content from their platform, Lots of people had theories as to why. You know, some said, oh, this was a calculated business move to build a successful platform off the backs of sex workers to just turn it around and sanitize it for the mainstream after it became successful. Others said, you know, okay, it's all about money. OnlyFans is courting investors that don't want to be associated with smut and filth, and that's why they're doing it. Another belief was, you know, MasterCard, OnlyFans payment processor, made the them do it. They wanted to remain in business. They would have no choice but to comply with the payment processor's rules. Eventually, OnlyFans even said that this was the reason. Until a few days later, they were like, no, just kidding. Psych! And they also said, we're not pulling any explicit content either. You can all go about your business. You know, just pretend this never happened. They made some folks even believe that, you know, maybe could this have been a PR move that went bad and just fucked over a bunch of people? Well, Kitty explains that the reasons behind this are actually pretty deep and complex. They have ties to censorship and media movement that goes back decades, ties to religious groups, shady anti-trafficking organizations, and a whole lot more. But before we roll that important conversation, let's wash the balls. Yes, that's housekeeping here 
on American Sex Podcast. So first, I've got a few things coming up this month that I want you to know about. I'm going to be teaching erotic humiliation for the Sex Down South Conference on the 11th of September. This conference spans the entire weekend. You still got a few days to get tickets. There's a virtual track that you can view from the comfort of your own home. So get that link in the show notes and come join us. And by the way, All the links that we talk about in this episode will be in the show notes for episode 166 at americansexpodcast.com or in the episode description on whatever streaming service you're listening to me on right now. Now, you'll also see in those show notes that I'm having a free virtual discussion with Midori about consent on Tuesday, the 14th of September, as part of her Consent Dojo series with shibaristudy.com. And also... On the 29th of September, I will be having a virtual town hall discussion with Aaron Tillman about the importance of the soft skills and strategic approach to BDSM on behalf of Sex Positive Los Angeles. So come on and join us for that too. And if you're a mental health professional, don't miss the class I'm teaching for K-PACT on the psychological appeal of kink. That's on October 15th. And speaking of, if you're a mental health professional or you're in any care profession, you can still sign up for the Kink Informed Professional Certification course directed by Midori. And I'm also going to be teaching a class for that too. And in our show notes, there's another fun link you're going to find, another free thing for you, the link to our sex and kink positive Discord server. You know, we'd love for you to join us and In those links, there are a ton of discounts and coupon codes, not only for the sponsors for this week's podcast, but a bunch more too. Oh, and you're also going to find the link to our Patreon page. Of course, we would love your support on Patreon, and we give you stuff too. I'll send you stickers in the mail. You'll get some bonus audio. There's two bonus audio tracks up right now from Kitty Stryker and a bunch of other stuff. Okay, that's it. The balls are clean. I soaked up those twins and juggled them around. And now we are ready to get into the politics of online sex work and censorship with Kitty Stryker. On the line, I've got Kitty Stryker back for, is it a third time, Kitty? Is this? I think so. Yeah. Yay! And like, um, oftentimes we talk about really fucked up shit. Yeah, things are fucked up. Yep. <laughs> and and I want to start this conversation by putting myself in the mind of some of the listeners, which we call American fuckers here on, on American Sex Podcast. So let's say there's an American fucker listening who's like, you know, I don't have an OnlyFans. I don't even subscribe to or follow anybody on OnlyFans. So you know what? This episode isn't for me. I'm just going to shut it off. before. Don't do that, listener. Uh, before they go, what do you want to tell them to get them to stay? Oh, okay. Well, what I will tell you is that I have been studying this and all of its permeations for, God, almost 15 years or something. Uh I am a specialist, I would say, in the legalization and criminalization of filth. And if you have any interest in filth, like listening to this podcast, in fact, this battle with OnlyFans is only the tip of the iceberg 
of the morality war that we are in right now. Oh, yes, you are right. I hate that you're right, but you are right on the damn money. So this is going to be a, a very tangled web that we unweave. So let's start with what exactly happened with OnlyFans? And even just a quick recap for those who aren't exactly familiar with OnlyFans, like what is OnlyFans and what just happened? Okay, so OnlyFans is a social platform that lets users sell subscriptions for content, right? So like, you can sell um, cooking videos, you could sell um, music, you could sell porn. And OnlyFans, uh, on August 19th, Mm -hmm. um, did a article in Bloomberg, a financial focused magazine, really, uh, or platform about how they were, um, planning on omitting explicit content from their platform. Now, explicit content tends to mean Anything that can be deemed as pornographic or obscene, um, it varies a lot from platform to platform. Like, there's some things that are fairly consistent, um, like penetration or um, photography. Um, Patreon, for example, is okay with um, cartoon pornography but not with in-person pornography (laughs) while OnlyFans was like all explicit content is banned um, which for them they included um, depictions of sex or sexual activity and including masturbation Um, so that happened on August 19th I believe that OnlyFans made this statement very casually in Bloomberg of all fucking places because yeah. they didn't think anyone was going to care. They were <laughs> I think that OnlyFans was like, "Oh, I want to reassure money men that we are moving into a realm that they want to invest in." And instead what happened was everyone was like, what? <laughs> You're doing what now? Isn't yeah. that what OnlyFans is for? Like, OnlyFans is for porn in the way that the internet is for porn. Why would you shoot yourself in the foot this way? Right. Um. So that's the situation. Like, that's what happened. Um. I believe this is not the first time that OnlyFans has started to restrict content. They've mm-hmm. been around since uh, 2016 and were kind of small, really, all things considered. Like, there were so many other sites that were doing similar things that OnlyFans really only got a leg up, so to speak, by <laughs> doing adult content um, right. in a way that, like, for example, one of their rivals, Patreon, doesn't allow the kind of content that OnlyFans was allowing. Mm-hmm. We'll go into that a little bit more later. I have a lot of personal experience with the Patreon fiasco. Oh, yes. So, um, I think that OnlyFans made this statement not expecting there to be any kind of kerfuffle. They had, um, I think, in 2020, banned depictions of public sex. Um, 
So any sex that it seemed like somebody could walk in on, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of um, material was banned. And like, I think Vice covered it, but that was kind of right. it. So, and that's also more understandable. Like, it can be considered illegal in a lot of places. It could be absolutely, you know, considered non consensual or involving other people. In you know, I get that. I get the the impetus for that, and and the what I assume is the intent for that. Um, but the other stuff, not so much. Well, and here's the thing, right? It's uh, it's it was an indication of the way that OnlyFans was going to moderate this content in the future. Mm. The description of what constitutes public sex or public sexuality is so vague that if I'm masturbating by a window for, like, natural light, is that public? Mm. How public is that? You know, like, so it created a situation where some content, usually minority content, content by fat people, content by disabled people, content by people of color, that content would get taken down while the big, the big sellers, cis, white, thin women, Uh (laughs) generally, um, they could get away with it. Mm. Now, another it's interesting that the moderation there is very much like what we see on mainstream sites. It's the same sort of thing. It is very similar. And like, I thought that was also very interesting. Like, so OnlyFans, there was a BBC investigation into how OnlyFans moderates their content. And um, and that was sort of credited as one of the reasons why OnlyFans was banning explicit content. They didn't say, uh, they, they blamed MasterCard, which we'll also get into. Um, but so when OnlyFans said, uh, or when this BBC documentary came out, um, they recognized, they saw in the moderation policies that more popular performers would get more warnings before their content or their profile would get shut down. Uh. If you were a smaller performer, um, you would get one warning. Um, and if you were very popular, you would have a moderation team that would manage any issues, uh-huh. which again meant that, you know, Bella Thorne, et cetera, could get away with doing more risky content, thus securing them more fans, thus securing them more stability and smaller creators couldn't. Um, mm-hmm. They ran that risk a lot more more often, right? So that's a problem. Like their moderation um, vagueness and inconsistency was definitely an issue. And so I have a, I have oh. a question about that because, yes. like, you know, the comparison to mainstream sites. You know, most people who know even a little bit about social media are also aware that it's the same on mainstream sites, like on uh, Instagram, for instance. Instagram's somebody a big offender. Who, yeah, someone who has a blue check mark, 
can get away with a lot more stuff or someone who's super popular, who, again, like you said, is, you know, cis, white, thin, um, they can get away with doing a lot more or they they actually have different rules that they're allowed to play by than the average person. And it's like, yes, that's not fair, but we know this is sadly the unfair way it is in mainstream yeah. social media. What other... Um, I guess liabilities come into play when we're talking about an adult website when this is happening. Well, so I mean, there's a couple of different things. I think that, and I, I honestly, I don't think it's worth noting that OnlyFans is a British company, mm-hmm. um, and it came into existence after the extreme pornography laws were taken down. Um, now the uh, to jump around a little bit. So the extreme pornography laws in the UK banned things like squirting because they couldn't tell whether or not it was pee, banned fisting. You it, know, either can anyone else and we I all mean, still enjoy it. Come right. On. Like, I mean, and also who cares if someone's peeing, like, whatever. Right. Anyway, it's a porn. You're not there. Like, I mean, it's not happening to you. But there was like a lot of the extreme pornography laws were about like, preventing things that they the government deemed as extreme so like fisting was seen as inherently harmful for the fisty even though we know that with good education and skill (laughs) that's not true um because of a lack of that education that sex ed um that was deemed to be violent um Mm squirting or pee was like about being degrading or humiliating i mean not taking into account some people like to be degraded and humiliated and that's fine you know so there's a lot of like we know what's best for you Mm -hmm. and that got taken i forget when that got overthrown but it did get overthrown at least mostly due to the work of a group called backlash who works on um obscenity suits out in the UK. Mm -hmm. So that's what was the situation in the UK where OnlyFans came to be. And because of that, I suspect they didn't do a lot of research into adult content moderation because as far as the average person would think, that war was over. You didn't have to Mm -hmm. worry about it anymore. Okay, that makes sense. And you didn't in the UK as it pertained to the government. However, <laughs> the other problem was MasterCard. And MasterCard Visa has been um, getting campaigned a lot to restrict adult content or sexual education content, especially safer sex content, LGBTQ content, uh, all under the sort of this is obscene kind of clause. Mm-hmm. And MasterCard Visa are the reasons why many, many sites started to remove um, the ability to have personal ads like Craigslist. Uh, Craigslist Mm -hmm. lost its adult services and then lost its personal ads entirely in part because of these campaigning. Um, Tumblr was uh, FOSTA-SESTA related. Mm -hmm. Uh, Patreon was payment processor related. They got pressured by MasterCard Visa very suddenly. Um, I remember it was right before we were supposed to get paid when we got a panicked email from Patreon going, uh, guys, we can't process your payments. 
Um, any of you, because some of you make adult content and MasterCard Visa is holding the site hostage <laughs> pretty oh, much. Um, so, like, MasterCard Visa has done this a lot. Right. Um, and they said, now, what, th- what they said was interesting. They said, we didn't tell OnlyFans that they had to ban porn. That is true. They did not say that. What they did do in April was implement a policy where all websites with adult content, again, and what what is adult content? Shrug, who knows? That depends right. on where you are and cultural stuff. Anyway, any site that had adult content now had to have um, a photo ID with the legal name and home address of the person um, for every piece of content. So you would have to do this every single time. And you also had to have a written statement that everybody who appeared in this knew that their content was going onto this website, this specific website. Ah, okay. Um, And nobody's doing that. Right. <laughs> like I, I don't think people I mean honestly most most porn sites that allow you to upload your own porn um they ask for your verification once and right. it's up to you to maintain your 2257s anybody who's been in this professionally understands what a 2257 is I I don't upload my 2257s to all of these websites you know mm-hmm. like that would be a huge security risk for doxing, like what happened with porn yeah. WikiLeaks. Um, yeah, where I, I want to give a little background for the for the listeners who aren't familiar with two two five sevens. And correct me if I get the yeah. details wrong, but it was uh, it it was from it was like the Child Protection and Exploitation Act or something uh-huh. or other um, that basically said you have to have a signed document proving that the people it appearing in whatever are of age and have their IDs uh, copied. And these websites are supposed to keep these 2257s on file in a database just in case there's any question yeah. that there's somebody underage in your website. Yeah. Sum it up. Okay. Yeah. And so a lot of a lot of people, like I maintain my 2257s on a secure um, database at home. I don't post them to every single site. Like mm-hmm. that would be absurd to me, um, and a huge again a huge security risk. So there's no way that OnlyFans has been. I mean, they claimed that they were already doing what Mastercard asked them to. There's no way that that's true. Yeah, that takes so much space. I mean, they've got millions and millions of people on there. Yeah, um, and you know, I also want to point out too, like the millions and millions of people. Um, and this is, you know, a whole piece to it as well. With the pandemic, obviously, OnlyFans just, you know, ballooned. So many creators, um, you know, hopped on board. I, I would make a joke like, you know, everyone's grandma has an OnlyFans these days. And haha, that's funny. But if you look at it in, in through the lens of the pandemic yeah. and through the lens of, you know, there are marginalized people, uh, women, disabled people, et cetera, that finally had a way to not only 
make some money and survive, but in a lot of cases, thrive and gain financial power, gain, you know, societal power. We all, you know, it's capitalism. Um, and and I, I can't help but think, and maybe we'll kind of get into that later once we get into a few more details, that the, the big picture of this, not just OnlyFans, but like the larger picture of this censorship is in some way a backlash to marginalize people who did not have the power suddenly within the blink of an instant having all this financial power and control over their own lives and finances. Yeah, absolutely. And MasterCard Visa doesn't like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, the U.S. government doesn't like that because taxes get real complicated when people are suddenly their own bosses. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's such a widespread thing that, like, it's next to impossible for them to catch everybody and audit everybody. So, um, so there's definitely that as well. Um, so yeah, so MasterCard Visa didn't say that websites can't have pornographic content, but they did implement a policy. Oh, the other part of that policy actually was content moderation. Every Mm -hmm. piece of content has to be viewed in full by someone before it goes up. Wow. So. You are talking about a lot of money for storage space, secure storage space. You're talking about a level of record keeping that most of these people new to sex work don't know to do. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about paying people to watch all of this content and decide whether or not it fulfills their rules. I can't even imagine. Like, you know, because I don't know how many uh OnlyFans users there are now, but I know like at the height of the pandemic when all these articles were coming out, it was like well over a million creators on OnlyFans. I don't know what it is now, but imagine the manpower it would take to watch all of that content and the knowledge it would take to train these people in recognizing what is legitimately okay and what is not. Like that's impossible. Absolutely. Another thing that was really interesting in the BBC expose was that they created two subscriber accounts in French and German, uh, despite stating that they were young teenagers in their bios and advertising the sale of photographs. Now, if OnlyFans was doing their content moderation the way that they said that they were, that would not have happened. Right. So that says to me one of two things. Either they are not, in fact, moderating their content like they say they are, and they're liars, which I think is the more likely one, or they are, and some of their moderators are, like, hand-waving away certain kinds of content. hmm Both of those are real bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that... <sighs> is the situation that OnlyFans was in. And, you know, I, I kind of feel a little conflicted because, um, you know, I'm pissed at OnlyFans for not keeping up with what they should have been keeping up with. But at the same time, I'm kind of pissed at the rule makers for moving the goal, which, you know, the payment processors for moving the goalposts so far that it's actually impossible 
to keep up with. So it's like, I don't know whose fucking fault this is. Like, I'm conflicted. Yeah, well, I mean, so here's... This is sort of, um, in a bigger scale, this is like the argument for is it better to criminalize prostitution or is it, like, for sex workers, or is it better to decriminalize or legalize, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, generally the answer has been decriminalized. The reason for that is the best people to moderate content are the people who are on there all the time. <laughs> right. Um, so the best people to be keeping an eye out are sex workers who are on the site all the time. Um, they're much more likely to flag these things than mm-hmm. your average person is. And therefore wiping like taking them off your site it doesn't mean that that content's not going to exist you know it just means that you now have a lot fewer people who are actually kind of qualified to tell with like to report this stuff they're not there anymore um we're seeing that with tiktok and the whole Mm -hmm. conversation on tiktok about making sexual education available on TikTok when there are teenagers on there. And how do you balance the fact that teenagers do need quality sex education and also, like, we legally are liable for exposing them to adult content? And, like, ah, that's a really complicated situation of, like, they need this information and there are people qualified to give it to them and yet they still kind of shouldn't. And so uh, it's just, I guess we just leave them without information. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you you can't win either way. There's no good answer. It's all set up to fail. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit. Why that might be. And this is where mm-hmm. I'm going to drift a little bit into conspiracy theory. So bear with but me. But you know what? There's a difference between conspiracy theories and like, a conspiracy oh shit, fact. there's something behind this. <laughs> yeah. I think this is a conspiracy fact. But I, I mean, do too. I think every conspiracy theory says that. So um, <laughs> it's not flat earth. Don't worry. Um, but so the group of people who have been on MasterCard and Visa's heels and PayPal and Venmo and Square and all these other payment processors is a group called the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Mm -hmm. And they are a group that started in the 60s when they were named Operation Yorkville originally, which I think is like where they were. I think that's just the town they were in, where Mm -hmm. they were a bunch of Catholics who liked to protest anything they deemed obscene. Um, any kind of, you know, written material or movies. Um, they were definitely the people who were out there, like, with their signs uh, when Deep Throat was in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't like the life of Brian. They didn't like George Carlin, you know. Oh so they have a God. long history of protesting obscenity. Um, I think... One of the things that I found when I was researching them was uh, um, a quote where they said that uh, explicit content led to suicide and murder and high school sex parties, <sighs> which I thought was really interesting because I remember from my like just over teenage years, there being a panic 
about jelly bracelets and how kids wearing jelly bracelets were using them to flag sexual activities. Oh, my God. And I remember being very confused by this, being like, that certainly wasn't happening in my school. I would have loved that. But no, that was not (laughs) happening in my school. And the flagging system was so confusing. Like, there was a quote I remember, like, vaguely, wherein someone was like, yeah, the green ones either mean French kissing or anal sex. And I was like, wow. That is a wild difference. <laughs> like, Unless you're rimming, maybe. I, I mean, mean, you know, the best of... You got your chocolate and my peanut butter. I, yeah. Could be the I, best of both worlds. Then I think you would just say <laughs> rimming as like a... Just over the... Anyway. So I was like, that's really confusing. That's kind of... Can you imagine if flagging was that varied? Oh, like, my <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, no. black could mean this or also could mean this completely different thing. Oh, you um, know what this reminds me of? This this reminds me, and I'm sure some of the same groups are behind this, but like I'm an 80s kid, like 70s and 80s, and I remember the, you know, Ozzy Osbourne is making your kids satanic and, and you know, Dungeons and Dragons and all of that. Like everything was the media is giving messages for kids to be overly sexual, suicidal, satanic, and it was ridiculous. This sounds like the same sort of line of thinking. Yep. It's basically the same groups. Uh, I will say, to be fair, I did play Dungeons and Dragons before I became a Satanist. So, like, okay, I don't that, think that, that correlation is causation, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to, I got to be honest there. Um, but yeah, it is, it is similar groups, and it's usually Catholic groups. This one changed from Operation Yorkville to Morality and Media, and um, they. You know, they protested Disney and they protested they protested Time Warner because Time Warner had put out Madonna's sex book. Um, You know, just truly, truly wild. Um, But they were losing steam. Um, People in the 90s and 2000s were kind of like, eh, is obscenity that bad? I don't know. It's I mean, it seems fine. Um, So that plus the Internet. Mm-hmm. And suddenly all of this was accessible so vastly. They weren't getting the kind of funding that they used to get. And they weren't getting, they, you know, they used to meet with presidents. And right. now everyone kind of thought they were dated and, yeah. you know. And I know, like, ranting. speaking of presidents, like the Clinton administration during, you know, kind of the dawning of the public, publicly accessible internet was just like, Cool. Like, yeah, get your porn on, on the internet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were like, what, whatever, you know. Yeah. So, like, so there was that whole situation. And so they were like, fuck, this is really not working out for us. And they kind of disappeared um, from, like, 2010 to 2015. Uh-huh. Just didn't see a lot from them. In 2015, they discovered the anti-trafficking movement. They completely oh. rebranded from morality and media and talking about family values to talking about preventing exploitation. Mm-hmm. And this is around the time, like, that kind of um, sex worker exclusionary feminism was really coming into its own out in the UK, um, especially Scotland. Um, and as that became bigger and bigger, 
and evangelical groups began to send money back and forth to to scholars in the UK, feminist scholars who would then say, ah, see, here's our studies that prove that porn is bad and sex work is bad. They fed into each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this Catholic group was like, shit, we're going to be left behind. Oh, anti-trafficking. Sure, yeah. That's our thing now. That's what we're doing. Um, and they completely rebranded. They became the um, National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Um, and they started getting funding again. Yeah. And uh. so I think since their arguments are exactly the same, they were part of the Communications Decency Act, um, which came out in 1996 and was deemed unconstitutional in 1997. Um, they were behind FOSTA-SESTA. They were one of the groups campaigning heavily for that. Um, they campaigned for the Earn It Act. Um, so, like, this is definitely... that they're, they're fighting this under the guise of anti-trafficking, but they're still mad about obscenity. They're, they're one of the people, one of the companies that they're angry with right now is Wish for selling lingerie. What? <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with sexual exploitation, but that's on their list. <laughs> so like and I think, you know, it's it's tempting and God knows I do it all the time to laugh at these people, but also I think it's really important to recognize that this is capitalism and religious extremism working together. Yeah, yeah. And the Catholic Church has been doing this for as long as the Catholic Church has existed. You know all those stories we hear about indigenous children being murdered at industrial schools? You know who runs those schools? Generally Catholics. If you've ever heard about the Magdalene laundries or the Magdalene asylums that were prominent in in Ireland, but there was one in San Francisco, there were some in India, they still have some, they call them something different now, Catholics. Uh (laughs) You know, think about the the Spanish Inquisition, you know, like this anti-obscenity drive has been instrumental in how the Catholic Church has tried to control the world. Um, And often specific Catholic groups trying to control their portion of the world. Uh It is the missionary type attitude that we know better than you and we are going to force you to submit to our values. Right. Right. And that's why and- it's not just about OnlyFans and it's not just about porn. Um, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation has come out and said that they are against sex, like safer sex education. They've said that they're against drag queen story hours. Uh-huh. They are against anything that they specifically deem as obscene. Right. And I know oftentimes with these organizations, if you dig deep enough, you'll find ties back to conversion therapy and, you know, all of that stuff. It's a slippery slope. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like with the whole trafficking thing, 
obviously trafficking happens and it's horrible and we should all be anti-trafficking. Um, you know, but the thing that, that really gets me is the trafficking propaganda, how it's been repackaged into our nice, innocent, middle-class, religious white children yep. might be trafficked. They might be kidnapped this in is, the in the Target parking lot. Oh, Absolutely. When, this is yeah. the same white slavery panic that we had in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And it's organized by the same people. And I think that we need to really look at that and look at how this anxiety of protecting the fragility of white women's sexuality has been at the root of this for so long. And it's at the root of it now. <laughs> right, right. And meanwhile, you know, that, like I said, trafficking does happen. It's not like it's not happening. But the people who are being left behind are the people who are really being trafficked, who yep. are oftentimes people of color. You know, we don't hear in any of these sex trafficking conversations anything about labor trafficking which is which is uh, much more of an issue exactly exactly you know there's definitely uh an agenda packaged in something that pulls on your heartstrings and that has an element of truth to it like yes trafficking happens uh but the rest is just the focus is being put on absolutely everything else wrong yeah and 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 here's here's where again I get I get a little bit into conspiracy fact, um, but I think it's really interesting, and I capitalize that I and interesting that these anti-trafficking organizations are working so hard to prevent sex workers from having financial stability or a platform on which to speak. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that has a lot to do with these anti-trafficking organizations not wanting there to be other voices in this conversation. They right. want to be able to filter which sex workers you get to speak to. And yeah. there are issues. There's been issues. A lot of these groups that are anti, supposedly anti-trafficking have been um uncovered as having abuse within the organization and abuse of power towards the people they're supposed to be helping mm-hmm. um and haven't actually been providing sex workers or or trafficking survivors with the support that they claim that they're giving i remember out here in san francisco solace sf in god what was it the 2010s ish mm-hmm. um and how uh Laura Lasky was um every sex worker knew her and she would say she would give you all of these stories of all of the support that she was willing to give um and you know had a ha- there was a religious aspect to it she didn't push the religious aspect but that was definitely part of how they got money in and then she was discovered to be using it as like a money laundering situation. Oh, God. You know, and I was like, that doesn't surprise me because I literally asked you to read my resume and you couldn't find anybody to do even that. Wow. <laughs> you know, and so wow. like there's a lot of, the, as somebody who did try to leave the industry in like 2012, 
I reached out to some of these groups and found that while they claimed online to offer laptops and work clothes and interviews and help connecting you to jobs, none of that was actually on the table. Mm. Not to sex workers. (laughs) They were usually lining their own pockets and... You know, maybe, you know, a lot of them like to offer cupcakes or like some lipstick or something as like what they do. And like when I was doing more active sex work, yeah, it was nice to have a cupcake once in a while. But like that was not worth the like millions of dollars they were making as a charity. (laughs) Wow. You know what I mean? Like there's just something happening there. And so I have a very real suspicion that these groups have a financial reason why they want to shut up sex workers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because sex workers are saying, hey, wait a minute, I went to you and you fucked me over. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want that. too, like, you know, maybe this is my own conspiracy fact, but I think you'll agree with me. I think right now we're at a tipping point where – you know, we are accessing things that they can't control. And what I mean by that is like suddenly everybody finding their power, being their own bosses, doing online sex work, mm-hmm. even social media connectedness. We're all talking amongst each other and spreading this information. And even the fact that y- the quote, little people or whatever, you know, you call us are finding their power. Look what we did even with GameStop. Like, yeah, we fuck the whole stock market because we all put our minds together. I think the fact that we are suddenly finding these ways to access massive power, both financially and, you know, as a means of control in a capitalistic sense, is scaring the pants off of these groups. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't matter if you're visiting a sex shop in person or shopping online, when you are prepping for a romantic evening, it can be overwhelming. You know how it is. You spend hours browsing, you think you got everything, and then you realize you forgot a really important necessary ingredient for your bow chicka wow wow evening. Well, Like a Kitten has your back when it comes to planning the perfect evening. They take the guesswork out by sending you a theme box with all of your erotic essentials. This month, they're helping you choose your own adventure with their BYOB box, aka it's a build your own box. You get to choose one item out of each of their six categories, toys, beauty products, lubes and cleansers, games, sexy accessories, and and lingerie. And within each category, you have at least eight products you can choose from. So you can build an experience that's customized to your specific desires. Let me tell you what I got. I got Uberlube, Screaming O Bestie Bullet, the It's the Bomb Bullet Bath Bomb, a really nifty white rabbit and leather flogger, a black satin robe, and a badass coloring book with crayons, by the way. And what's amazing is that box only costs $69. I mean, some of the vibrators alone retail for more than that. So the entire box of gifts is a steal and more of a steal for you because you know I got you. Right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash sunny 
S-U-N-N-Y, or just enter the code SUNNY at checkout. Yes, just go to likeakitten.com slash SUNNY or use SUNNY to get 20% off these incredible boxes. Again, likeakitten.com slash SUNNY, and that link is in this episode's description. Autumn is in the air and the pumpkins are in the patch and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure that your sweetie doesn't accidentally carve their pants pumpkins when they're grooming. You know what I'm saying, right? I'm talking about their balls. Manscaped just launched their brand new fourth generation performance package. Join the 2 million worldwide Manscaped users by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code SUNNY. Yeah, you heard me right. I said brand new Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Let me tell you what's in it. First, the new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer featuring cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Also, a 4000 LED spotlight plus it's waterproof. Next, you get the Weed Whacker, a nose and ear hair trimmer that uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system that helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Then, Manscaped's liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, plus the Perfect Ball Booster Toner, the Crop Reviver, Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. I know you dig some smooth pumpkins, don't you? So quick, hurry, get on over to manscaped.com and use the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, for 20% off and free shipping. Yeah, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code SUNNY at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. I mean, I think it's, it's worth noting that, like, the way in which trafficking is defined is super varied and it's Mm. very politicized. Some groups are very anti-prostitution in how they define trafficking and other groups aren't. Mm -hmm. The groups that tend to get the most money and the most attention are the ones that are against sex work for everyone of all kinds. It's not just about sex trafficking. And I think that there's a a deeper issue there of like, do women have ownership over our own bodies? These are the same people who are telling us that we can't get an abortion and we can't have access to safer sex supplies. This is about us having agency over our own bodies in general, never mind agency over our own finances. And, um, yeah, I think that, like, it is uh, expressive of a much deeper morality war. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, also, like, uh, I mean, I've I've been talking to some other sex workers about, like, moving away from the, like, oh, this is sex work and this is sex trafficking. Because they pointed out that a lot of how trafficking is defined in this media, um, it ends up reinforcing a lot of racist and misogynist ideas about labor and migration, Mm. which I think is a really interesting point. And like, I think that um, I I was, I remember when I was with swap um, a while back, we were talking about how like some of these trafficking laws meant that if I drove another sex worker to Reno with me to do sex work, that I will have trafficked them. 
Right. For example. The Man Act. Yeah. 1920, so, whatever. So, yeah, you yeah. know, we, the, we've we got these situations. It's the same as the whole pimp lobby thing where like, right. oh, if my roommate financially benefits from me doing sex work, then they could be arrested as my pimp, even if that is not the relationship we have. Wow. And so like there is... I think that's important, too, is to, like, understand, like, what are the definitions of these things when we talk about them so that we can strip away the hysterical language. Like, there's – I don't know anybody who's pro-trafficking. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, again, the same argument as the pro-life and pro-choice arguments – like I don't know anybody who's like I hate life. Well, I mean, I guess I know some people who hate life for <laughs> themselves, but like, you know, I that the way that they're framing these things is very conscious. Mm-hmm. And it means that anybody who argues against them or critiques them is suddenly pro-trafficking. Right. Um it's it's the the pedophilia argument on on Twitter that's come and gone a few times. Same thing. If you Uh create a situation where you are changing the definition of pedophilia to mean a whole range of things that it doesn't actually mean, then you can just throw out this accusation to anybody that you disagree with. And if they try to protest, it's just proof that uh, that they support pedophilia. It's all about this, like, visceral gut reaction. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, okay, so for the American fuckers listening along, and I've I've seen this a lot and it frustrates me, like, for instance, when we're on TikTok and TikTok is clamping down on, uh, you know, sexual conversations, which, you know, spill over even into like sex therapists talking about feelings and shit. Yeah. Um, or even, you know, Instagram doing the same thing with their censorship. And I see all these people trying to rally together to fight Instagram and fight TikTok, or now they're rallying together to fight OnlyFans because they did this on purpose. They made money off of sex workers' backs, and th- this was their plan all along to go mainstream and just. But it's like, you know, the way I look at it, it's like we could fight one small piece of that puzzle all day long, and if they've got their balls in a vice by this bigger <laughs> conspiracy truth, um, what do we do? How do we fix it? As people just at your average citizen i mean <laughs> i feel like every time you and i have a conversation it comes back to this but we have to destroy capitalism exactly like, yeah. <laughs> um because here so i do like the idea that's been floated a few times including by edward snowden incidentally that we should move towards uh cryptocurrency yeah and I appreciate the idea of that. However, there are a lot of issues with crypto still, um, including that crypto is not an immediate exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people who are buying porn want the porn right when they spend the money. Um, And that's why porn is considered to be a high risk thing, because people will watch the porn and then do a chargeback and pretend that they didn't. Um, You can't do that with... Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And it can take a little while for it to go from one wallet to another. So then that puts the the issue, the impetus on 
um, creators to be like, do I give the content immediately when the payment's still going through? Or do I wait and then risk that because they will have to wait, I will not make that sale? So there is that problem. Also, I think that if the adult industry en masse moves to cryptocurrency, I think we've got maybe five years before the government finds a way to come down on crypto as a whole. <laughs> right. Like, Yeah, because you've still got to convert it into money eventually to buy your damn groceries. Absolutely. And to pay your rent. Absolutely. And so there's still, eventually you will still have to go through MasterCard and Visa's right. like doors, you know, yeah. eventually. Maybe I'm being con- – maybe this is a conspiracy theory. I don't know if it's a fact, but it's like, God, we've all seen how a little bit of chatter can move a market like what we did with uh, GameStop or Elon Musk talking about Bitcoin and Dogecoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I wouldn't put it past the powers that be to influence the market negatively in that way, just a fuck over all the people that went over to crypto. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know – in order to trust that crypto will be safe for sex workers, we have to, I mean, Bitcoin isn't a company, you know, like mm-hmm. that it's, you can't influence Bitcoin incorporated in the same way you can influence MasterCard Visa incorporated, right? Right. But it is still championed by cis straight white men, um, <laughs> you know, yep. a lot of them are libertarians, Libertarians are generally pretty pro-sex work, so we kind of have an advantage there. But we're also seeing a lot of banks and a lot of governments getting into the crypto game, yeah, which is making it more legitimate and also means that they're going to want to maintain its reputation. Crypto already has kind of a shitty reputation. It gets used for like you know, drug cartels and child sexual exploitation and, you know, Silk Road, pe- uh-huh. you know, adults buying drugs. Oh, no. Um, but also some genuinely shitty things um, right. because it's anonymous. That anonymity works in the favor of sex workers for now, but it also means ethically working with a currency that does fund exploitation uh-huh. uh, how okay are you with that you know like i mean so does the dollar don't get me wrong you know but like i think that crypto isn't a cure necessarily for this issue it's a way to temporarily change the goalposts uh-huh. um but yeah i think this is a much more fundamental problem of do women and it's mostly women who are getting controlled by these things um do we ever get to have ownership over our own bodies or not i don't know this is depressing (laughs) like i'm just i know i'm sorry i feel like again all of our conversations are like yeah (laughs) it's real bad (laughs) but it's like i'm like spanish inquisition you know all the things i'm like you know we haven't had i mean yes things have definitely progressed than they have been you know 20 years ago 50 years ago a few hundred years ago spanish inquisition years ago um but 
will they ever be great? It's like we're always fighting this. I I, I get pessimistic. Like, are we going to win this? Is this where we lose? Like, I don't know. Well, I'll give you a little bit of hope. Um, okay. Church membership is falling. <laughs> and that's great. People yeah. are losing faith in God, finally. <laughs> um, and... Uh, I hate to say it, but I really think that is something that will help with this a lot. Yeah. Um, because I think when you are wrapped up in religion, your authoritarianism feels righteous. Ooh. And it doesn't – it's harder, I think, to really – step outside yourself and see the harm that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, we see that, we see that with the uh, various church um, sects that won't let kids go to the doctor. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're wrapped up in that, I think it's difficult to see like, Oh, this is causing harm because you have faith and faith is, stronger than logic mm -hmm. for a lot of people yeah. yeah i even think about this a conspiracy fact in my boat but you know you think about the the public education system of course they are, are raising us not to think critically and to you know be good capitalist cogs in the big machine and you know the more that we push each other, our kids, you know, whatever it is to think critically, to not just accept the status quo or, you know, but then we, at the same time, this is how we slippery slope into the vaccines giving us the 5G. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, God. Well, I mean, because that, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, it, the hope is church membership is declining. The yeah. sad part is people will come up with something else instead of church. QAnon is a cult, you know, mm -hmm. in the same way that a lot of churches are cults, you know? Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, I think that there is a very fundamentally human part of all of this, which is, do you want freedom or stability? And do you want independence or community? Uh. And we can't have extremes on either of those spectrums. Yeah. But, you know, we're always going to have some people who veer more on the side of community or more on the side of individualism. Um, I don't think either extreme in either uh, spectrum is, is good. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, as long as you have that variation, you're going to have a really complicated time trying to create social norms, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we don't see a lot of, now I, I would say the other thing that is kind of a positive, we aren't seeing a lot of obscenity cases anymore. Good. Um, that's just not like it, it used to be a very popular pastime. Um, but like it, the obscenity argument 
for the most part, has kind of been shrugged off, I would say, mm-hmm. um, in this country. Still an issue in other countries. Um, for example, a lot of there are other countries that have decided that the MasterCard visa rules means that they should also ban queer content. Yeah. You know, so like we're going to run up against that. I mean, TikTok hits that sometimes where right. like completely benign queer content is deemed adult or explicit seemingly in an arbitrary way. Mm-hmm. Um but I think in its stead we're seeing the rise of this conversation about traffic sex trafficking and we should be very specific it is only about sex trafficking it is not about any other kind of trafficking pretty mm-hmm. much ever i think that's yeah. on purpose yeah um and i think it is very relevant that it's the same groups that are also f- fighting to preserve womanhood by being transclusionary mhm yeah I yeah. mean, this is a fight to protect some outdated idea of fragile white femininity, mm-hmm. um, cis femininity. And yeah. um, I'm hopeful that the more that we name it as that, the easier it becomes to combat it because the less likely we will get wrapped up in the hysteria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's the only way that we're really going to be effective in this fight. Mm, yeah. So I want to end this on a positive note for the American fuckers who are listening along like, we're fu- we're doomed. We're all going to die. Did I just date myself? Was that Gull- <laughs> G- Gulliver's Travels, a cartoon? Anyway, um, obviously, one of the things we can do just as an individual is think more big picture. Vote. Think about the bigger forces that are making this happen. But let's say I am an OnlyFans creator and I'm like, that's great. I can get out and vote and I can help play the long game. But like, I got to pay my rent this month. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you tell that person? Well, I would say this. Um, I would say that I totally understand wanting to keep the platform that you have. I'm still on Patreon, (laughs) you know, and it's been a mess trying to continue to use Patreon sometimes, but like I decided that the benefits outweighed the issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So I absolutely understand why you might want to stay on OnlyFans. It is worth it to diversify. And Mm -hmm. to try to be on more than one site so that if one falls, you still have others to back you up. Um, I saw a really good suggestion that you should get a mailing list. Yes, I was just going to add that. And I think that that's a great idea so that it doesn't matter where you go. Um, There's a way for people to stay in contact with you um, and find out where your content is next. Um, I also move my money out as often as I can. Um, I rarely keep money in my accounts. Every time someone sends me $5 on PayPal, I move it into my bank account immediately. Uh So that way, if PayPal ever decides, you know what, you were a sex worker once, or you talk too much about sex work and closes down my account, I'm not losing that much. Uh Um, And that is very purposeful because... um, 
you know, like I've seen a lot of people who have lost when when these when these companies, when OnlyFans or PayPal, when they close down your account, they don't have to give you the money in your account. <sighs> they can just, just keep it. <laughs> so it's in your best interest to make sure that if they ever decide to do that, that they aren't making a lot of money off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so move your money out as often as you can. Um, diversify your content. Understand that all of these platforms are coming up against the same issues. If they yeah. are using a payment processor and taking dollars and not crypto, you are going to have this issue again. It might take a long time if the website is small or niche. Um, but if the website is small or niche, you're also probably not making that much money. So, right. um, yeah, it's kind of the curse of being popular. Uh, once you start to make money, the, um, generally the National Center on Sexual Exploitation will come for you. So, yeah, it's just we'll, we'll get through it. We'll I'm get, not I sure mean, how, but look, we'll get through it. Look, we will keep innovating new ways to spread filth. Because, you know, we are very creative Mm -hmm. and obscenity has pretty much always existed as long as people have been able to express themselves. And um, we've been through worse. Like, yeah, this sucks. Losing our financial stability sucks. We also aren't getting thumb screwed or stoned to death in this country, at least. Um, So... It has gotten better <laughs> over time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is true. That is true. But I mean, also, like, I will always underline this. Get in touch with mutual aid groups. Support your local mutual aid groups. Mm-hmm. You cannot trust capitalism to take care of you. You have to create community. And that community yeah. needs to be about mutual aid, mutual accountability, and mutual responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So form those groups so that you have people that you can lean on if you need to. Um, you aren't alone and you're also not an island. So don't try to be. That is great advice. That is great advice. So you wrote a great article in Bitch Magazine about all of this, yes. uh, which I'll have in the show notes. Where else can people find you or what do you want people to know about what you got going on before we... End our conversation. Yeah, I am on Facebook um, in so much as I'm allowed to speak on Facebook <laughs> under officially Kitty Striker. Um, I'm on Twitter as Kitty Striker. I am I am verified, so I get away with a lot on Twitter um, for now. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram as Kitty underscore Striker, and Instagram's already banned me once. So uh, you'll only see pictures of my cats and my food that I cook pretty much on there. Um, I also have a Patreon. If you like the work that I do um, and want to support me financially, that would be awesome. Um, Patreon.com slash Kitty Striker. That's where I post rough drafts of any articles that I'm writing. I'm actually about to start working on a book. Um, I just got a book uh, contract um, for a follow-up to Ask um, Building Consent Culture. So uh, 
very excited about that. Uh, if you would like to be part of how I put this together, join my Patreon. That's where I'm going to be floating ideas. Um, it is very much a communal effort. I am just the the conduit. Um, yeah, so be a part of the conversation. I am determined to change the world if I have to beat the living hell out of it. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much um, for all of your insight because this is so important. And it's it's so hard for people to really dig and find the real big picture. So it is much appreciated. Absolutely. And I know that we are going to have lots more to talk about in the future. I don't know what it's going to be about. Hopefully something not as depressing, but I still like talking about depressing things with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I love to talk about filth, even though like I'm asexual and like mostly out of the sex work game. I'm still a huge fan of obscenity. So nice. Okay. <laughs> Anytime. <Yes. laughs> awesome. Awesome. Until next time. Thanks, Kitty. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.